This is the IOTEX Ecosystem Podcast, where we highlight top projects building the connected future. IOTEX envisions a world where billions of devices and decentralized applications seamlessly merge the digital and physical worlds, all while preserving privacy and financially empowering everyday users. Today's conversation features Atul Chatur, co-founder of Roadrunner. Atul shatters the myth of vehicular privacy and how tamper-proof hardware and Web3 can reclaim some privacy as well as monetary value for drivers who are robbed of their data by car manufacturers. This is one of the best crypto conversations I've had in a long time, and a tool who has created the first drive-to-earn protocol is building one of the most original and potentially impactful organizations in Web 3.0. Later on in the conversation, Atul even describes his vision for building a decentralized car. So lots to look forward to in this one. Atul, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's great to see you. And let me just hear about your background, your professional history, and what led you to Web 3.0. Thank you so much, Dean. Thanks for inviting me to this podcast. So I started working in 1994, so I am 50 years old, so not your typical crypto investor or crypto enthusiast if you may but luckily i had a very strong traditional finance technology background uh, which made me really appreciate bitcoin and what it was although having said that i got in a little late so around the 2016 time frame into crypto i am a mechanical engineer by profession have worked with a hedge fund have worked with a it and information technology firm infosys technologies for about eight years so have a coding programming background and then in about 2016 i started looking at crypto seriously frankly i should have i could have done it a little earlier but did not for whatever reason and then 2016 ended up investing in crypto for about four years made really good money especially in that second cycle from about 2020 onwards and then i said there seems to be a lot more to crypto than just bitcoin and ethereum of course they are the foundations, foundational forms of crypto, if you may. But I didn't saw beginning, I noticed, especially during the last cycle from around 2020 onwards, a few real world use cases. So I was inspired by Helium, by IoTX, projects that had some real world connections, or let's call it the tokenization of real world assets. And I said, let me really see if that makes sense. Because a lot of what Bitcoin is, a lot of what Ethereum is just foundational platforms right it's all foundational technology so unless someone actually builds real world connections real world uh, use cases i think otherwise it's just going to say uh, stay pretty much in that uh, speculative realm if you may of course there is a cross-border a transfer of money use case let's just call it the cross-border payments use case if you may but that can be done by any cryptocurrency, right? It's not just you don't necessarily need to have uh, Bitcoin. You can have Ripple. You can have the hundred other cryptocurrencies out there and still achieve a similar uh, objective, if you may. Of course, there are a few other nuances to that. It's not as simple as that. But as I said, tokenization of real world assets what was what really inspired me. I looked at Helium, IOTX. I also noticed that there weren't really that many real world use cases or applications of crypto out there so i said why not really do that so i along with three engineers from iit madras so that's important because i needed the technology brain power if you may to really do the implementation coding programming 
we said let's go after industries that are really centralized and what i noticed is i by the way when i was what at infosys i had a logistics transportation background as well i used to head up their logistics transportation division for about 4 years out of the and i said the cars the vehicles industry is really centralized right if you look at oems they make the cars and then pretty much everything is in their control if you may especially the way cars are evolving vehicles are evolving into computers on wheels as opposed to mechanical systems if you go back like 5 6 years back they were mostly mechanical systems now they are really computers on wheels if you may so which means a lot of car data is really important it's becoming very valuable as well so we went after this entire the cars the vehicles the connected cars space if you may including two wheelers three wheelers anything that moves so in that sense we are really the future of mobility if you may we are also what we are building is the web 3 of vehicles it, it we said let's go after a industry which is centralized we said cars vehicles make sense and as i said inspired really by helium iotx so so that's the background really interesting that's fascinating i the way that you went past bitcoin and ethereum it sounds to me like you're a very practical business person in some sense you look at actually how you can use web3 and blockchain to disrupt a centralized industry in a way that affects potentially millions of consumers one of the major critiques of bitcoin and ethereum is that you know, it's a very interesting intellectual and technical exercise to create a decentralized protocol for a monetary system in bitcoin's case or for generalized software applications in ethereum's case but where is the real world use case that's like the number one critique of crypto is how does this affect the average consumer's life how does it make it better and so you looked at a very physical real world industry which is part of this second wave of layer 1s iotex helium that are looking at actually tokenizing real world assets and you said okay let me look at the car industry i have a professional background here and what about it specifically makes it a ripe target for web 3.0 is it just how centralized the data is with the manufacturers or what else is it yeah so there's like a couple of things that that i had been thinking about for a while so what makes it really interesting is a lot of people i guess everyone across the world actually thinks that you are safe in your car or vehicle from a data perspective right right now we are speak, sitting in a room and it, i'm pretty sure no one can really observe us they can't really see what we are doing and hear what we are saying a lot of people actually think that's true of cars as well i don't know if they realize that there are very few car data privacy laws across the world i was actually blown away when i looked at the us and i saw there is zero literally zero close to zero car data privacy laws so when you sit in your car and if you are actually with doing a private act it could be a girlfriend it could be anything else or you are discussing money matters in your car because you think no one can hear you they can hear you right so the oems can actually hear you so in the past it was the advanced car makers and i'm so surprised i, I looked at this pegasus the spying scandal as well so the israeli software and that was on your mobile phones and do people realize that the same sort of stuff is in your car and that i i spoke with some fairly rich people as well so people who've got the bmws and the audis and the mercedeses in india and i said guys do you know that these guys can hear you and they were like no i don't think so and i said yeah that is true and also not just that what they do with that data is just not defined across the world so maybe the european region we found a couple of countries france germany 
the UK as well. The EU has always been a bit more proactive from a data consumer data perspective, and they are doing a few things with respect to car data, if you may. But very little has been done. Very little has been put in place. There is almost nothing with respect to car data privacy, right? And we said this is just wrong. There are so many drivers across the world. There are so many owners across the world who think they are safe in their cars from a data perspective. When I say safe, I specifically with respect to car data. And when I say car data, it is the driver data as well. When I say driver data, it's not. I'm not talking about how safely you drive your car. That's just one aspect. But what do you do inside your car? Are they recording it? Can they see what you are doing inside your car? I think that's not a good thing. So that's something. Just we'll just keep that in mind. But that was something that was pretty obvious to me when I looked at a lot of cars getting cars getting converted into computers on wheels, as I call it, because there's a lot of hardware, software, and Tesla is really the embodiment of this. So a lot of people think Elon Musk is doing a great job for sure. He, but if you really look at the fact that Tesla is not just a car company, it's a lot about car data, and which is why they are vertically integrated. Which is why Tesla and Elon Musk will give you all the upgrades for free. But then he's taking away your car data. Now is that good? And I don't know if people know, but the state of Wyoming had some car data privacy laws. And go and look it up. Tesla and some of these car companies that are putting in a lot of tech into their car, car, sorry, quashed the the regulations, the car data privacy regulations in the state of Wyoming. So that's just one aspect, right? So. <clears throat> The second was really the fact that vehicles, cars have always been depreciating assets. No one's really made any money out of it. You buy a car, you buy the costlier the car, the more the depreciation. So if you buy a Merc, I keep on saying a Merc because a Merc, at least in India, is a very high-end vehicle, and in two years it's like down 50%. In fact, if you have a if you have a cheaper car, it doesn't depreciate as much. But if you buy a high-end Merc in India, that's probably like two hundred thousand dollars, and in like in two years, it's like a hundred thousand dollars or even lower. No one wants to buy a buy a Merc, a second-hand Merc, right? And also, cars don't really give you any income, right? So we said, why not really look at the fact that put drivers in the center of this, put people who are generating this data. So in the Web two world, you had the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the WhatsApps and whatnot. And they stole your data, turned into trillion-dollar organizations. This is exactly what's happening in car vehicle space as well. So you've got uh, intermediaries like uh, Vijo, W-E-J-O. So it's a Palantir Technologies-backed company. It is listed in the U.S. Uh, through a reverse merger. You've got an Israeli company called Autonomo, and they are actually taking away your data from these OEMs. Who see the OEMs are really interested in making cars. They are not interested in really. They are interested in your car data, but these are not tech companies, so they don't really know what to do with it. Tesla is very different, which is why Elon Musk had that tech background, and he was just one. He's a pioneer in that sense. So don't get me wrong. I'm not. Disparaging him, but there are other aspects to car data that he's not disclosing, which is which I think is a problem. So we said, I mean, really, uh, this space is a space where some of these intermediaries, if you may, the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the WhatsApps, who took your data, personal data, and turned it into trillion-dollar business opportunities, and who control that data as well. Similar thing was starting to happen in the car space. So we realized these two companies, Vijo and Autonomo, who were doing this. And we said this is not right. So if they are taking away driver data, is there a way to really uh, gain access to this data, car data, if you may, car data, driver data? And yes, it can be done. If you have, if you look at a car, if you look at a vehicle, there's a standard interface called as the OBD port. You just fit in a device there, and you get the car data. If you 
if a driver downloads an app on your smartphone and a smartphone has a lot of sensors so there are mobile uh, there are motion sensors there is a gyroscope there is gps data so a lot of that data can be accessed from your mobile phone as well and these days cars stream data directly through an internet connection so we looked at all these three sources of data and if we said why not put the driver at the center of it why not allow a driver to really set his access controls and share his data his or her data if you may and once we have that data put it onto a public blockchain allow a driver to really set access controls around that data and hence reward the driver as well now what that does is it turns a car or a vehicle into a income generating asset which is just we thought it was like a fantastic thing right there are so many people in this world uh, both drivers of four wheelers if you look at the ubers and the lifts and the olas across the world this entire gig economy of car drivers and you look at these two wheelers in india zooming around to try and deliver some grocery in 10 minutes so it's called so called quick commerce but these guys are just zooming around on their two wheelers and we said why not at least give them some income so even if it's like in india it's dollar something like 10 cents a day why not in a day you get like 10 cents 50 cents a dollar depending on where you are driving what sort of data you are sharing that turns a car into <clears throat> an income generating asset so at the core we thought these two things around the car data privacy angle that i mentioned where we realized there is very little around that entire thing and there were some things that really stood out right so <clears throat> the oems really looking at what you are doing what you are seeing that's not good and is there a way to really at least make drivers aware of that issue yes for sure because extremely few people and you know, i was so surprised no one really even had thought about this you know so that's one and second is so that that brings us to that car data angle right privacy and how do you set controls access control around it who do you share it with it should be in control of the drivers and if they are actually doing that why not allow them to monetize the data at whatever level so we are starting out i'm not saying you're going to be making like thousands of dollars from that data but it at least sets precedence it at least uh, hopefully we are the first people in the world who are thinking about this issue and turning these vehicles into some form of a income generating asset as well and we feel that once this hopefully as it this takes up that stream of income that stream of cash that you make could also be turned as some sort of a collateral to finance your vehicle as well and especially the cheaper ones i think financing a merc or a bmw on the basis of car data is not going to happen but why not a two wheeler if it's like a in in india two wheelers are literally like about 300 400 dollars right on on road cost and i'm saying if they can actually make some money and these two wheelers run for hundreds of thousands of kilometers and people use them for 10 years etc so if you can actually look at that data and just finance even half of it why not so that income generating turning a vehicle into an income generating asset and all these issues around car data privacy that i mentioned i think are at the core of what we try what we are trying to what we have designed what we have put together and the protocol as well. Yeah, you you said so much there that piqued my interest. First of all, I've studied data privacy issues when it comes to big tech platforms, mobile phone usage, wearables. I never thought about cars. It's fascinating that you bring that up. I think the average person has no idea, like you said. And it's it's almost like sugar. Like in the US, you don't realize that everything you eat has sugar in it until you actually look at it. And it's the same thing with data collection. You don't realize that everything you do, including driving in your car, which is considered one of the most private 
things you can do. It's an enclosed space. People can't hear you. That's a very private space. Your data is being collected. So at what level, I'm just curious, are they recording voice? It probably depends on the car, of course, the degree to which the technology is capturing environmental data. But let's take the most extreme example, right? Like a Tesla, the most computerized vehicle. What exactly is that capturing? Can you share some of the specifics? Yeah. So that takes us back to cars converting from mechanical systems into computers on wheels. So this is a very recent trend. And if you actually look at most cars, except for Tesla, we'll leave it, leave Tesla aside for two minutes and I'll tell you what. I mean, the other OEMs, so if you look at a Volkswagen, I don't know, you look at anyone, Toyota, etc. They weren't the ones who really were putting in all these things into their cars. They were still focusing on making great cars, great performance, great mileage, smooth drives, smooth rides, whatever. And then Tesla came along and Elon Musk said, hang on, you guys are thinking about cars and how to make great cars. I'll think about what to do with the data and how to access that data as well. So what we realize is that, see, a lot of these cars as they turn into computers on wheels have definitely got a way to access your data, whether it is driving data, driver data, what you do, what they definitely have a way to access that data. And what's more worrying is that there are very few car data privacy laws, which basically say, what do you do with your car data? So it's not so much to me, see, frankly, I can't get inside all these cars to really figure out what they are capturing. I'm pretty sure it's all private as well. But for sure, they are capturing data. And the worrying part is there is nothing, there is no car data privacy law saying, hey, guys, you can't do this with this data that you collected. And you look at a high-end Merck, or even if you look at some of these low-end vehicles as well, there's a set of 100 features, 200 features. And you probably, when you drive a car, you're like probably using about 20 of them. For sure, my car has got like 100 features. But what do I do with all the gadgets, all the stuff? And... For these OEMs to fit in a camera in there on the basis of the fact that saying that they are actually collecting this data to make your ride or make your drive or make your experience a more convenient experience is pretty easy to say. But what do they do with that data? And then since there are no data privacy laws, we said what and we realized that there needed to be some sort of a way to at least make drivers aware of this issue because people are just not aware, even the richest the most the most knowledgeable people weren't aware of this issue so what i'm saying is it's a twofold problem one is these oems for sure as they convert their cars into computers on wheels are accessing this data and second is since there are very few car data privacy laws they can do anything with this data i'm pretty sure at some point in time over the next few years it'll turn into a pegasus kind of a scandal a, 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 a spying scandal or something like that but people are because people are just so unaware when you sit in your car you do all kind of crazy things you can discuss all kind of private matters in it as well marriage money whatever else and if that data is being accessed by these car companies you don't even need a cell phone then right because cell phones are like accessing putting a pegasus kind of thing on your cell phone is now like maybe people are aware of that but people are just not aware of this car data privacy thing yeah yeah. We've seen this story before. We saw it with big tech. They would tell us, we're going to personalize your experience. We're going to improve the platform by taking your data and we're going to give it to you for free, an obvious exchange, or at least it was. And then, as you said, scandals started happening and people became very aware of their data privacy when it comes to using software-based, computer-based platforms but in the car, it's totally different. So what we're talking about is, as you said, it's not totally clear what's going on with this data. It's very private. It goes off into kind of a black box. But there are third-party companies like Palantir that 
they're selling that data to. Presumably, they're selling it to potentially data brokers for advertising purposes. All this could be going on. Do you have insight into that? Yeah, yeah I think being on that, see, to me, which is why I came to this thing around Tesla and all the other OEMs. If you look at all the other OEMs to them, data is a bit of a commodity. So they capture this data, they have very little clue what to do with it. For sure, paper mile, pay as you drive insurance, some of those use cases are very obvious. I'm sure some of these companies may do something with the car data in that sense, right? So let's say the insurance use case. But if you look at this data, if you collect this data, what do you do with it? So the best thing is sell it off to a data broker, get something in return. And that's the end of it, right? For a lot of these OEMs. So Tesla is a bit is quite different in that sense because they are actually doing something with the data, trying to build their applications, which is why Tesla is valued at a trillion and all the other OEMs put together are like 0.8%, like 80% of that. So a lot of people don't actually realize that. And Elon Musk has never spoken too much about it as well because there is a there is a sensitivity angle there, right? If he starts talking explicitly about car data, then I'm pretty sure the car data privacy laws kick in, which they will at some point in time. And I don't think he's going to get away with this. I hope not, at least. But so, as I said, so really the fact that this data, as I said, is being accessed, is being sold by these OEMs, especially the non-Tesla OEMs, is pretty obvious to me. I've seen some of these, I forget the name of this company. Hopefully it will come back to me later. But as I said, the likes of Vigio, Autonomo, there's one more. <laughs> Somehow I just forget. It's a European company. And it's suddenly grown in the last few years to be like a $25, $30 billion company, which is just taking all this data from the OEMs and doing God knows what. So once you hand it off to a data broker, then it becomes very different because the OEM is not selling the data technically to, to, to whoever, but the data broker can... OEM just means the car manufacturer, right? Yeah, the car manufacturer. So the car manufacturer can sell the data to a data broker and they're still safe because it because they're just bundling together the data and it's like raw data and like we don't care but the data broker can then break it down i'm pretty sure they can think about what's sensitive what's not who to sell this to so you're saying there's a 30 billion dollar company that arose purely based on car data correct it is a european company yeah and i what i've seen is it's not just this but there are a few other companies now coming around in the car data space based on this data broker sort of a model. So they are not actually generating the data themselves. They're just buying this data from the OEMs, from the car manufacturers. And that to me is even more dangerous because the car manufacturers can be held responsible. But once you sell off that data, they can say, yeah, we weren't aware. So if the data broker sold it for something or to someone, how are we really responsible for that? Yeah, that's the problem really. Okay, so we've articulated the problem, right? There's a major industry built around car data specifically. You're not private in your car. This data is getting harvested. There's no laws. How does Web3 fix that? So you talked about having an ODB reading device that can do what exactly? Can it intercept the data or it just creates an alternative version of it? Or how does that work? For just to be very clear, we are accessing car data. We are accessing driver data as well. So how you drive and we are accessing data that is streamed by the cars directly through an internet connection. So what that allows us to do is I can access your car data through the OBD port. It's called an onboard diagnostics port. And this port is actually fitted inside, it's present inside every single car on earth, except for a couple of EV models, surprisingly, not so surprisingly by Tesla. So 2020 Tesla actually quashed the OBD port requirement in California. So obviously he's been successful to do that, but he's taking away that standard interface from your car 
that will allow you to access car data. So he's actually taken that away. But every single car in the world, there's no alternative. There's no alternative. So. The entire data is not only controlled by Tesla and Elon Musk, but he's not even allowing anyone else to look at what that data is, so to say, right? Whereas other cars, you are, there's still a way to access this car data. There are OBD ports in every single IC car, so internal combustion engines, so petrol, diesel, gasoline, if you may. Every single car needs to have that port. It's mandated by law. And we fit in a device there to collect car data. So with, which brings in the IoT or the air angle to our protocol. We actually started out that way. And then we evolved into a few more other aspects around Web3, which I'll get to later. But that allows us to access the car data. We have a driver app that sits on your cell phone that allows us to access driver data as well. And when I say driver data, how do you drive? Do you brake too often? Do you turn rashly? Do you overtake people on the road are you an unsafe driver if you may so that's what we are focusing on and the third is really data that is streamed directly from a car which is through an internet connection right now while we have started looking at this data we need to be careful whether this is private data as well when i say private data are these like recordings of what you are saying in the car are these even visuals of what you are doing in the car and there are companies in the us especially that i've seen in the european region which are starting to access this data through dash cams as well so dashboard cameras both inward and outward facing so that they can actually see what you are doing under the guise of safety so for example if you leave your baby inside in the car and uh, you've got a camera in there they can tell you oh, the baby is unsafe or whatever right and then you can come back from your shopping and do whatever but it's so a lot of these devices are inside the car and that really allows them to 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 access this data so let's just be clear about what you've built so you've actually built a proprietary odb reader that is securely it's a sec secure hardware element that can capture data in a tamper-proof way and then feed that directly into a blockchain is that right Correct. So the point is that the hardware device is a trustless device, right? So you've got the vehicle, which is a car or a two wheeler or whatever, which is a single source of truth. So if you actually stream data from there and no one is interfering, no one can really play around with that data. So that's one. The same way if you do that from the driver app, that is a single source of truth as well. So you can't really, you know, tamper with your cell phone and change that data. And the same way if data is being streamed from a car directly, where the likes of Hyundai through their, some of their software that they've, that they've built out, allow the streaming of the car data directly from the car. So those are the three ways we access car data. We put it onto a public blockchain so no one can tamper with it. And that has use cases like car resale. You know, I mean, the, when you resell a car, for example, you've got the history of the car, uh, repair history that is, and the mileage, the number of miles you've driven. And most times people just tamper with that which is what changes the value of the car so if you put if you've driven like 60,000 miles you just do 40,000 miles and if you had four accidents you say you have had none and the car value goes up so once you put this data on a blockchain you can't do that so that's so that's like just one so carfax yes it is i was told about it quite a few times i've lived for like about six years in the u.s i'm aware of no no one in the world knows it and if you come to india you go to brazil no one has any clue about a car, right? So when it goes up for resale, you don't know what the repair history is, you don't know what, how many miles it's driven. But if you've got this data put onto a public blockchain through these three data sources that we've built, device, the driver app, which is a, which is mobile telematics, if you may, and the direct streaming from of car data through an internet connection, 
which is not present in India and most emerging countries, but you can not play around with the data once it's on a public blockchain. And to that extent, yes, it is a decentralized Carfax as well. And even Carfax is totally centralized. For sure, you trust it. But who knows if they're actually playing around with the data or not and what they do with that. Yeah. Three sources of car data, the IoT or the hardware device, specifically the OBD port is what we are starting out with. We initially built our own device to do the testing and all, but we, now we've just partnered with third party manufacturers. That's very important because we are not a hardware company. Uh, so that's the first source of car data. The second is the mobile telematics. Yes, that app we have built out ourselves. We intend to build it ourselves as well because there's a lot of data that can be accessed through a driver's smartphone once he's inside the car and driving the car. And third is this direct uh, data streaming from the car. But there we are dependent on the OEMs. So to that extent, yes, it is an important source of car data. But we are just thinking about building our own streaming connection from the car so that we are not really dependent on someone else because that's I think is very important from a decentralization perspective but these three sources of car data put it on a public blockchain no one can play around with it no one can change that data and it also allows the driver to set his own access controls right around what he wants to share he or she wants to share and what they don't and hence really they are uh, and hence the monetization aspects as well so to be very clear, we are not selling the data without the driver's driver's permission. So if he wants to sell, for example, his data to an insurance company, we'll do that. However, over a period of time, the plan is to also develop decentralized protocols around all these other use cases. So decentralized car insurance or vehicle insurance, vehicle finance, car resale, carpooling, ride sharing. So uh, the first use case we are building out is carpooling. So we looked at Blabla car, for example, and it's a very famous, so they've got a hundred million cars on the road now. And this is just a driver to passenger connection. So if you're driving between, in India, we drive between two cities. So let's say like about hundred miles apart and you can just publish that information and I can get three people into my car. So it's quite nice, right? I get some social interactions. I get to make some money and they've grown very popular. But they need the car data, they need the driving, the driver behavior data as well, driving data if you may. And the carpooling app is the first decentralized app that we are building on top of this data. So we are selling very little data, maybe for the insurance use case we will sell that data because there is a lot of demand for that sort of data. But a lot of the other use cases we are building out ourselves, the apps as well on top of the car data that we are accessing. So in that sense, we are just not selling car data. We are not like a data broker where we say, here's the data, we're just going to sell it to someone else. That's not our model. So just to be clear, you're not stopping the data, obviously getting sent to the OEM. You're just creating a mirrored version of the data that is under the user's control. So you can actually create a collectivized bargaining of users to actually monetize their data, whether on an opt-in basis, you're not forcing them to do it, but it gives them some monetary control and some access to the returns from that data. And you're actually creating a whole platform around this data and the users where you're using a carpooling app. Potentially you're gonna partner with insurance companies to give some money back to the users. So there's a whole host of applications that you can build with this data. So it's actually a platform model that you're talking about. And the key here is gonna be bootstrapping as many users as possible. So I'm sure you have some crypto token wizardry going on to, to amplify the adoption early on. So can you talk about some of the cryptonomics, tokenomics that you've thought of and are introducing into the system? Yeah. 
So Dean, I'm just going to take a minute or two to just clarify one more point. See, ultimate ambition, vision is while we are a car data platform play, I believe a decentralized car can actually be built, right? Because I've been speaking with with car manufacturers as well, people within these organizations. And most of these car companies or manufacturers are essentially assembly operations. They don't actually do anything. They don't actually make anything themselves. There's very little especially in the commoditized car companies. I'm pretty sure a Mercedes or I don't know what, one of the high-end cars, a Lamborghini or a Ferrari make some of a lot of their stuff themselves. But a lot of the other car companies are just assembly operations. And there is a incredibly well-established auto ancillary, com- uh, auto ancillary industry that will also allow us to build a decentralized car. So that gets into a lot into the IoT hardware space where you're saying you don't even need to have a car that is actually made by an OEM where you are just accessing the car. Just take the OEM aside, right? How difficult is it to build a car? And again, it is an ultimate vision, right? I'm not saying we do it right away. We are just starting out. But I would love to, we would love to do it ourselves. But I hope this inspires other people to think about this problem. And maybe there's someone out there who says, I've got expertise in hardware in building a car. And it's not that difficult at all because then we are saying is if you assemble something in, that is a car, but the car data elements are totally decentralized and there's a dash cam and there's these OBD port that allows you to access car data. There's uh, sensors within the car as well that you can put up inside a car and access a lot of that sensor data as well. I think a lot of that can be done to a decentralized car as well, decentralized hardware, collection of decentralized hardware that allows you to build out a decentralized car. But that really is just the ultimate vision. I don't want to really stress on it too much because it's like probably 10 years out, but I hope it gets there as we build out the Web3 space and as the Web3 space encompasses some of these IoT and hardware elements as well. The the vision is to really build out a decentralized car because we don't want to be dependent on some other OEM blocking us because I'm pretty sure at some point in time they will wake up if we are selling their data, right? Although that's questionable because if you are the driver, you own the data, it's not the OEM which should be owning the data because he's actually sold you the car. Once he's sold the car, they shouldn't even be accessing that data. So that's a very important distinction, right? Because the same way once they sell you a computer, they should not be accessing your data. No one thinks about this, but once you've once they have sold you the car, why is the OEM even accessing that data, if you, if you may, right? So there are a few nuances in there. We realize that it's not that easy. We are obviously going against a very centralized industry here and a very strong industry as well. I don't think the OEMs uh, particularly appreciate, uh, would particularly appreciate what we are trying to do. But again, that's an ultimate aim or vision. As far as the crypto economics, the tokenomics go, yes, what we have done is we have a dual token system, right? Pretty much similar. So we looked at a lot of things apart from Helium, IOTX, we looked at Stepin, we looked at Axie Infinity, looked at Play to Earn, and we said, what's the way to have a earn while you drive model? Right? It's not a drive to earn model. So it's not if you drive let's say 100 miles a week and if you do 500 miles just because I'm giving you some reward you're not going to get so that's the way we have structured the tokenomics as well so we don't want to incentivize driving here so uh, even if it's EVs even if it's EVs it's not about the carbon emissions it's you know why fundamentally while we love cars we are not really fans of just more driving because it creates traffic it creates so many vehicles on the road instead of just walk to work instead of that just run to work but can you earn some money while you drive? Because cars are not going away, vehicles are not going away, they will stay around for sure. So can you earn while you drive? And what we have done is, as far as tokenomics goes, there is a 
dual token systems so we've got a reward token which is called sdt which is safe driving which incentivizes safe driving as well and there are various parameters around what we mean by safe driving which also includes lesser driving by the way and uh, a few other elements as, as to what safe driving is and the other is the car token which is our governance token so it's pretty similar in that sense to a step in model with gmt and gst or axi infinity with the axi token axs and the smooth love portion the slp token so that's the tokenomics it the in app reward token sdt rewards the drivers that's the incentive for the drivers to be rewarded for their car data if you may and the governance token is more of a governance token it is the token that we use to raise capital as well so it's got some other it is really the reward token right that that rewards the drivers and this will be the token that for example insurers would pay in to access data that's how you create the two-sided market is that's actually the token that's going to be used to buy and access the data platform is that right so what we have done is for insurance companies specifically right so wherever we sell the data we are just going to do that in fiat right we are not involving some of these web2 companies with the with necessarily with sdt or car maybe if they want to come in as partners if they want to be involved with the governance mechanisms yes but sdt is more for the drivers and we don't really want to incentivize anyone else it's purely what the drivers do how they are rewarded how they use the gamification elements as well and very importantly dean here we've also built a gamify model where even if you're not a driver right let's say i don't know where you live but let's say it's the us and you've got a kid who's 15 years old and he buys one of our nfts he can lease it out to a driver in india who's doing like 100 200 300 miles a day because that's his bread and butter there's no way he can do anything else there's like drivers in mumbai who drive around 18 hours a day 18 20 hours a day even at 2 o'clock in the night because that's their earning and your son daughter in the us can lease that nft the car nft to them so they are not even a driver right it's just someone sitting somewhere who thinks who can buy our car nft lease it that nft to a driver across the world anywhere who's just driving for their bread and butter and allow them to make earnings out of that out of that activity and then take away like a 20% 30% whatever it is some something like that. so axi and and i think stepen is going to bring in bring that in as well i think it's just such a powerful model you know if you if you are not doing an activity but someone else is and if you can actually incentivize him to earn some money why not and you take away like a 20% of it fair enough it's not like a very high take rate it allows them to earn something from a physical activity that they are doing in our case it's driving and there are so many drivers across the world who really don't make a lot of money and even if they do why not allow them to make some extra money and then you can take a cut of it through the nft mechanism that we have which brings me to the gamefi elements as well. originally we did start out dean being a iot plus blockchain project we focused a lot on the car we loved the car let's get inside let's put the obd device but then over the last 6 months we also introduced the gamefi element in there which i think hopefully attracts a lot more players drivers into the ecosystem and it can actually attract someone who's not even a driver and who's just a 15 year old who thinks yes I I love what these guys are doing and I can incentivize drivers across the world by the buying these NFTs leasing it out to them and the NFT mechanism works by you can sit anywhere in the world you can be anywhere in the world you can buy our NFT and you can lease it out to anywhere someone else in the world who's in a Brazil who's in India who's in Africa and they are just plain drivers right so hopefully that attracts a lot more people into the ecosystem which we felt was necessary because just the IoT aspect 
was probably not going to do that, which is why we introduced the gamification elements in it as well. Yeah, that NFT lending model created a bridge between, you could say, the developed and developing worlds where essentially you had high capital investors buying them and then leasing them to, in Axie's case, people in the Philippines who during the pandemic had lost their jobs and were actually making more than minimum wage playing Axie Infinity. And so you could see a similar model playing out, drive to earn model, where there is some cash flowing from developed countries into developing through this NFT mechanism. I definitely see that. And I think your position in India makes you uniquely positioned for accessing that market because that's probably the center of like crazy driving this <laughs> like Mumbai or New Delhi. Fascinating. Yeah, so many drivers and see a lot of taxi drivers in Mumbai. I've spoken with them extensively because I use taxi. I never drive around in Mumbai, right? If you're saying you don't do that, you just get into a Ula or a taxi and that's the best way to travel around. And I've spoken with so many of them and they are so excited, right? Because it does allow them to make some extra money. And while they don't understand NFTs and all, it's not that difficult. Web3 adoption will have an internet-like adoption curve. So we are at very early, in the very early days. But it's not that difficult. There's like plenty of smartphones around. In India, everyone has got a smartphone. They may not have a house. They may not have anything else. But everyone's got a smartphone for sure. They are watching videos. Internet is like so cheap in India. You know? So I don't know if but we've got like a $2 plan for a month, which is fantastic. It works all the time and it's just amazing. So the entire of India is on internet, have got smartphones which are like less than $100 and they work, right, literally. Yeah, and you've got financing plans for the smartphones as well. So mobile adoption has taken off in a big way, So which is why the mobile first approach as well. So even if someone does not buy a hardware device, for example, the hardware device is not easy enough to fit into a two-wheeler, it's, it's quite tough actually. The two-wheelers do have an OBD port, but they are very inconvenient. You can't place devices in there conveniently. But they don't need to do that. Even the driver app allows them to earn uh, through the gamification aspects as well as by simply driving around as well. So we've got three classifications, a player, a driver and a driver and player, right? So someone who doesn't own a vehicle is just a player. Someone who owns a vehicle drives is a driver. And someone who's a combination of both can be a driver and a player. And we've got like offerings or or settings in our app that allow all these three three people who are involved with the driving ecosystem so the entire idea is anyone who's interested in driving right how do they earn how can they be involved with the activity of driving is what we have focused on because we realized that crypto was just attractive to a lot of crypto enthusiasts it's like how do you attract the other people in is what we have especially if we are doing something real world then the entire idea is to appeal to real world people we can't just say oh it's like just for crypto and if you understand crypto get in but we said how do we really focus on all these people who are driving who are doing a real world activity and get them involved with the driving ecosystem in whichever way so that's at the core of what we are trying to build as well and that's the core of the approach we are taking as well. So anyone who's interested in driving can be involved with this, with our protocol. Yeah, and taxi, Uber, anybody who drives with the express intent of making money, whether they know crypto or not, if there's an opportunity to make money and they're slapping ads on their car, they're doing whatever it takes to increase their per mile earnings. And so if there's a crypto element, I'm sure that'll be a viral adoption market. <laughs> so that makes perfect sense. Yeah. In fact, Dean, what we are doing is while, while when we launch, what we are hoping is some of the governments across the world, right? Maybe it's a government in a poor country. I don't know. Maybe it's in Africa, Latin America, India. Just realize that this is an earning mechanism for their drivers as well. 
and at some point in time we hope to be big in one or a few specific countries where the governments also realize this is an earning model for their drivers maybe it's not the us maybe it's not a rich country but a poor country for sure so why not drivers in india making some extra money so we've been having some conversations around this concept because this is real world because this allows a poor person or a driver who's actually driving to make money to make some extra money and i think to that extent uh, hopefully 6 months down the line once we've got past some of the tech challenges that we are currently facing and that we are currently building out as well the entire product we have these discussions with some of these cities who are maybe a rio maybe a mumbai and say to these guys uh, guys why don't you put like your million taxi drivers onto this platform because i think it's it is very powerful and i think when we go real world the engagement with the real world needs to happen as well you can't just build an app out there and just leave it out there for that that approach can work as well but we are we are having to uh, starting to have some of these conversations where we say to governments politicians that this is a way for your car drivers who are a very important voting constituency as well why don't you allow them to make some extra money and to that extent can we expand in some cities regions or countries where driving is a major activity and where this allows their drivers to make some extra money you know so that's something that we are doing as well fascinating and this is i see this as a fairly bear market proof application of web3 where you're actually just targeting users who don't really care about the bitcoin price they're just looking for a way to make some money and so the bear market this is a perfect application in the point i was trying to make there is that when we have these uh, conversations what we are trying to do is build a swap feature where crypto is accepted regulated maybe we do it in el salvador maybe we need to speak to their president where we say why don't we have a swap feature which just swaps these tokens into a stable coin or into you even your fiat currency a lot of taxi drivers would want to see 5 rupees or even like 10 cents in their wallet against 10 sdt right if they want to do that if they don't want to do also parallelly we realize that this could result in dumping of our token because if we convert and then uh, which is why the gamefi elements right so you don't need to sell sdt you can use sdt as a token to level up so we've got some leveling up nfts as well the same way you can level up a sneaker in stepen you can level up the car nft as well so we've got a engine nft a wheel nft a body nft a car body nft that allows you to level up the car and hence earn more so the sdt token hopefully has both things so we've already built out the first thing which is using that sdt token within the ecosystem to level up your nfts and earn more sdt tokens however if a taxi driver wants to convert it into a usdt or a usdc or even a fiat currency of course fiat currency conversion comes in where crypto is accepted but i think at some point in time we would love to see that convergence so that taxi driver just get rewarded on a daily basis so hopefully as we achieve scale if let's say 20% of our drivers want to convert this into daily earnings we are thinking about that as well it will probably be in some specific cities countries because i think it's not going to happen i mean it probably be a country because the entire country needs to accept this but some of the smaller countries uh, maybe in as i said latin america africa etc why is a country need to accept it why can't it just be a decentralized per person decision yeah so the decentralized decision yes uh, it will be there through that usdt or usdc swap if you that's like a swapping feature in the driver app that allows you to swap that into a stable coin what we've been thinking is how do you make it even more real world to attract more drivers into this because we one of the one of the one of the thoughts we have is that unless we really convert this into a fiat currency is it really attractive to all the drivers in the world which is why maybe that's that's something that we will think about 
but that can still be done in a decentralized way there's no need to even that fiat conversion probably happens through a centralized exchange we probably need a cryptocurrency license to do that etc but we've been thinking about it to see the entire aim or intention dean here is to see how can we attract real world people who don't even understand crypto into this space and can we provide them some daily earnings as well so that's probably a step ahead of what stepen or an axie is doing but since our activity is a lot more real world it's also earn while you drive it's not play to earn not exactly playing to earn it's more like earn while you drive so the positioning what we are seeing is it's a bit it's a bit different in that sense because it's not an activity that you do specifically to earn but you earn while you are doing an activity you anyway need to do so that's a bit of a difference there it's not going to be a rational decision to drive when you otherwise wouldn't to earn this token it's going to cost more gas and maintenance but if you're driving anyway it's going to be a cherry on top a nice addition to your income if you're a taxi driver or to offset the expense of driving so let's talk shop for the average crypto investor that's listening how can they get involved what's the timeline can they buy an nft now can they buy one of your odb readers now plug it in start earning what how can an average crypto investor listening get involved yeah so first thing is we've been building for a year we started out last july we were awarded a grant by the near blockchain by harmony by iotx as well and we build on iotx finally for because of the simple reason that it matches our vision long term vision very closely and so we've built all that out for a year we've tested it uh, tested the device in about 35 models across india and the us on 100 plus cars uh, we are conducting pocs right now in france the uk and the uae the middle east and most importantly we are launching this saturday so we are like literally two days away well today is friday actually so in india so it's like tomorrow evening from which point onwards you can start purchasing our nfts specifically the devices will be launched about 15 days from now we just like fine tuning a couple of things so literally in the next one month we you'll have both the nfts as well as the devices available for sale and yeah so we are launching globally like tomorrow literally maybe a little more than and by the time this podcast gets published most likely that the nft and the device will be available in the next couple of weeks so by the time this show is out those might be available. So if you're looking to buy, what's the website where can they go? 24 hours. It's roadrunner.io. Roadrunner is r o a d r u n r.io. So the spelling is a little different, so we said roadrunner r u n r.io. Yeah. We'll link to it. Yeah, so people can just go directly to it from the show notes. So with that, let me just get if there's any final calls to action for the audience, join Telegram. uh you can go ahead and say that now yeah so on the website we've got uh, our social media handles listed we are very active on twitter telegram linkedin as well so just go ahead and please join us there we have an ama session another ama session coming up with one of my other co-founders on monday and we'll probably do a few more of these over the next few days because we just want to reach out to as many people as with our message and with the protocol that we have built out yeah so this is a very dynamic time for your organization you're launching live you just finished your poc so if you're a crypto investor and looking to take advantage of some opportunities in the bear market this sounds like a hot opportunity i know i'm going to get involved and this was fascinating this was a fascinating conversation all the way from the data privacy issues with cars to the play to earn application so a tool thanks so much for your time you're working on some crazy interesting stuff so congratulations on that 
Thank you so much, Dean. Thanks for your time as well. Thank you for ha having me on the podcast. All right. To be continued.